Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speak Aloud podcast. Appreciate you being with us today. This is another one of those bonus episodes. We've been doing uh, these, these Facebook Lives from time to time, talking with different people in the speaking industry, talking about some different strategies and tips and things that speakers need to be thinking about right now in the midst of the, the chaos that is the world. Uh, and so today we're talking with my friend Mike Michalowicz. We've had Mike on the podcast a couple times before. Great guy, great speaker, very, very practical business business wisdom that he uh, he always brings to the table and shares. So we talk about how speakers should be thinking about their finances right now. We talk about uh, virtual speaking opportunities, how he's making some pivots and transitions in his business, some of the financial lessons that speakers need to be aware of after the dust settles on all of this. So lots of good stuff here from Mike. Let's jump right into the conversation with Mike Michalowicz. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hope you guys are doing well in the thick of this weird, weird world that we are in. As you may know, we've been doing this series of Facebook Lives, talking with different people in uh, the speaking and small business world, just talking about uh, what we can do during these weird times. And so today we are joined by my friend, Mike Michalowicz, author of Profit First, amongst many no. others. He's got a, just a tree of, it's almost like a tree <laughs> has sprouted, filling, filled with books. Wow, what are the odds? What? Crazy, crazy. So uh, Mike, we appreciate you joining us. How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing well, man. And I'm just uh, excited doing this for our community. So thank you. You bet, you bet. So first of all, let's kind of kind of paint the picture. Yeah. Uh, what have the last few weeks been like for you? Uh, you do some speaking. Speaking is just one of a bunch of different irons in the fire for you. But uh, kind of talk us through how the last couple of weeks have, have played out for you. Yeah, so you know, no surprise. Um, speaking events have either, either gone virtual. I was able to retain some significant ones. Um, and other live ones have been postponed, which may mean they're ultimately canceled. Um so that affects you know my revenue. I, I'm lucky to get a, a pretty substantial speaking fee, but we have a, a a team here and we do products and services behind it. So as of right now, we have had a slowdown in cash flow, but maybe by the tune of ten or fifteen percent. And we're in rapid development of alternative products, stuff that we're actually working on, but we're planning to roll out in the summer or the fall. We're expediting now to be rolling out. Actually, the next product we roll out is coming out in three weeks. Well, the book comes out in four weeks. And then right before that, we're introducing another product. So, so um, to, I feel optimistic. Well, and to that end, how are you thinking about your business model right now? Because this is obviously something that's, that's causing a lot of people to like, just kind of step back and think, all right, is this as stable as I thought it was? You know, it felt like it was a, you know, a month or two ago and now all of a sudden I'm not sure. So is there anything that you're planning on doing differently or kind of pivoting within the, the business itself? Yeah, there's one thing that we're doing differently, and uh, and we are making one shift in the business. So the, the thing we're doing differently is amplifying communication, frequency, decreasing quantity. And I think that's where many people are getting confused. I see an amplification of communication, but I see these diatribes, you know, that email communication that's like 15 pages long, and it actually causes migration. I'll give you an example. I own a Chevy, 
and uh, Chevy emailed me and said, Hey, in these trying times, we're here for you and uh, we can change your oil. And it just went on and on and on. And, and actually I have a little more of a dislike for Chevy than I did before because there, it, it is this, this clear kind of, um, kind of glossy attempt to, to actually market to me. Now, there is opportunity here, but being opportunistic is a fine line. Opportunistic is where you take advantage of someone's disadvantage and opportunity is where you're of greater service to them. So here's how to communicate differently. And what we're doing, and I think it's more appropriate is we're sending out short sound bites. I think the first sound bite, if you haven't sent one out simply is, Hey, we're here. We're open for business to serve you in the way you need to be served. And it's just, that's it. And then reaching out again, with uh, what, I, what I'm doing is emailing people with little tips. I have all these different graphics. We're rolling out one a day of ways to manage the the crisis going on. And these are things that we're just encouraging people to to use if they want it and ditch if they don't want to. They don't need to subscribe. It's just accessible. So that's one strategy. The, the other thing we're doing is um, is surveying our, our list. And I, I think everyone should do this. List meaning prospects, however you maintain your list. Um, ours, like many people, I assume, is email. And uh, four weeks ago, right when it started, we said, tell us what you need now. And um, we got a survey response of over 700 people. And there's a very clear theme of needs uh, from our list. So we started creating all these products that cater to these new needs. So we're going to roll out products that are serving their needs at a new price point that we feel is a uh, is respecting the situation, but still requiring investment. I, I think the mistake is just free, 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 yeah. because people put very low value and free. It, it's dispensable. So I want people to make an investment in what they want, but I don't want them to be, uh, uh, you know, thrown off because it's too much. So we've modified our pricing structure for content that they specifically are requesting and hyper, uh, kind of hyper expediting the production of that content. Yeah, and I totally echo that as far as, uh, especially on the, the the free versus paid side, uh, the whole economy is built on paying for stuff, products and services. And so if we all just like, you know what, for a little, we're just going to give it all away. The whole thing falls apart. Collapses. So yeah. one of the most responsible things we can be doing right now is continue to offer things and, and continue to sell things and be aware of the climate, be aware of what's going on. But um, one of the best things, you know, any Anybody that's watching this, anybody that's listening to this, you are hopefully still receiving a paycheck because the company that you work for, the the, the company that you are a part of, they are still providing uh, uh, products and services that allow them to receive funds to then pay you, right? If they start giving away their product and service away for free, then they're not able to pay you. So we have to keep selling things. That's the way the whole market and, and the economy works. So uh, I'll push that aside for a minute. Uh, so all right, I'm curious for you as a guy who, again, you're well known for profit first and really helping uh, small businesses with their finances. Uh, what are some lessons that you feel like small businesses can can learn from this that they really need to be uh, paying attention to and, and, and implementing right now? Yeah. So I, I'm going to use my little graphic here because uh, this speaks to the stages that a business goes through. So, well, a lot of people right now in the beginning stages of um, what's called macroeconomic change, like what we're experiencing now, right. this is very similar to personal crisis. We go through a shock stage and a shock stage is simply where business owners freeze up. And I, I think hopefully we're past that, but this is breaking out and we're in disbelief. So many businesses freeze up, which means there's inaction. If you have inaction, you drop off into business collapse yeah. uh, or professional collapse. So it's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do nothing. So the next stage though is desperation and um, desperation results in people taking large actions that are not logical. 
as an example, the runs on toilet paper. Uh, people are, you know, there's a, there's a story by a guy who has a year's stock worth of toilet paper at his house. I don't know how much money he spent for this. His garage is packed, but it really makes no sense. But it's this herd mentality or stampede effect. So I see business owners making big wrong actions, and that slips to business collapse. What we need to do is really an evaluation phase. And it's a simply pregnant pause. They're, we're going to get tons of information thrown to us at a constant speed, at a hyperspeed now. Historically, what we do is there's an action reaction, action reaction that, you know, put out the fire, put out the fire. We need pregnant pause. It's action consideration and reaction. Right. And what we really need to think about before we take any action is what is in the best interest of our business now or our professional lives? Do we need to sustain income? Do we need to increase profitability? Do we need to amplify sales? Do we actually need to reduce sales and cater to our core competency, therefore reducing costs? Really contemplate what's in the best interest of your business. Then with that understanding, every action that comes tearing through the system, simply say, is my reaction consistent toward moving me toward my commitment, that, that deliberate action? If we start doing that, now we start marching out of the muck. It's one step and then the next and the next, and it'll move us out of it. It's this spinning kind of circuitous decision-making that I see happening right now that keeps businesses stuck. And that becomes a slow death by a thousand cuts. So right. slow things down, contemplate the key. Can you pull that chart back up again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There you go. All right. So I'm going to zoom in on this. All right. So we've got shock, desperation, evaluation, uh, then stage four, deliberate action, stage five, surge burst. Surge. Yeah. So, yeah what so we talked about evaluation also in deliberate action. I'll tell you what surge burst is. Here's what's interesting. Um, right now, as you see businesses fading away, uh, the, the demand is simply being pent up. Customers may not be taking action now, but they will at a certain point but your competition is being flushed out of the system. So yeah. if you take deliberate action and you sustain or slightly even grow your business as the economy returns, and it will, I can't say if it's going to be a few weeks, a few months, or a few years, it will. When it comes back, now there's excess demand, meaning clients want to catch up. People want to have speakers again. There's going to be this, you know, I need a higher speaker, but so many speakers got flushed out of the system. Now there's less available supply, heightened demand, which means there's a great opportunity for the people who sustain. So right. that's what we need to do. So to that end though, and like that, that bottom part and the kind of the evaluation part, uh, evaluation, is that right? Yeah. Did I get that right? Okay. Evaluation. Right, right. Now so part of the challenge right now is like, we, we have no idea how long we're going to be in this phase, right? That's right. So we look forward to sta uh, stage four, stage five. Um, but this is the type of thing where is this going to be a few weeks, a few months? I feel like with each passing day, we're all kind of like, I don't know. This feels like it's going to be a minute, you know, this isn't going to be wrapping up by like, yeah, next right. Thursday we're back at it. Uh, right. so how do you, how do you, um, like, how do you think through like, okay, what do I need to do today to keep the lights on and to keep the business functioning, but also thinking through and knowing that this could go on for a couple of months and yeah, or longer, know, economy, or yeah exactly. So, so trying to think through what do I do today? What do I do today versus what do I do long-term? Exactly. And I have a, you know, I see my, I have a graph for everything because I've been focusing so much on this. There's a technique. I call it the one step back technique. And what we do is we look at our offering. Now I'll give an example in restaurants, but you can do it in any business. Restaurants are really devastated right. um, because they, they cannot open their doors, period. Speakers can go online stuff. But we look at what's the final offering for in this example for a restaurant. Well, a restaurant delivers food to the table. That's the final major offering. But what we have to realize is that a final offering is simply a compilation of many assembled mini offerings. So we go one step back and say, before delivering food to the table, what happens? Well, we carry the food to the table. Okay, well, if you're carrying food to the table, maybe carrying food or delivering food to your customers is a great choice. Some restaurants are acting upon that. 
One restaurant down the street here teamed up with a food truck that's idle and said, we'll make the food. You run it through neighborhoods and their businesses are an uptick. Well, what happens one step before carrying food to the table? Well, the preparation of the food. Why aren't restaurants, you know, filming their 10 or 15 most popular dishes, how to prepare them, providing the recipe, selling that to customers and saying, we also have a live training over Zoom where the, our chef will teach you this and, and watch what you're doing in your kitchens. Great opportunity. What about one step before that? Well, there's the procurement of the raw inventory, you know, meats and vegetables. Why not, um, if you can still procure that, why not become a distributor for that so people can do the recipes? What happens one step before that? We keep on rewinding one step and you find all these mini offerings and now it can be your new offering temporarily or maybe permanently. That's what we need to do. So to that end, how are you thinking about some of these different things versus, uh, you know, so let's take speakers, for example, some speakers are saying, okay, right now there's no live events happening. So let's, you know, let's explore the virtual route. Uh, and, and I know speakers right now are trying to think through, all right, is this virtual thing? Is this going to be a band aid that I'm going to do for a minute? Is this something that's going to be a bigger part of my, uh, my offerings long term? Uh, how are you thinking about uh, what am I doing today versus just to like get through this versus is, is this something that I want to keep around long-term and as it has a, a be a key part of the business. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, the virtual thing is the obvious thing and, and we've cut to that. I think there's a big opportunity there and I, I don't think it's a band aid. I think it's something that may uh, be spiked demand now. Cause that's what we're experiencing. I have a major keynote with Verizon uh, later this afternoon that came about specifically because of our virtual capabilities. Conversely uh, over time, live speaking may come back, but you got to keep this quiver in, in the, in the, or the arrow and the quiver. That's what I meant to say. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I had nothing. I wasn't going to help you because I had nothing to help you with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we need to keep the arrow at the ready. But also we need to start deeply exploring um, how to offer the, the offering in a new format. Just like, you know, uh, anyone, anyone can go virtual. How do we do it to make it more intimate? What, what are the core experiences that we were delivering on stage that we can now deliver uh, interpersonally? One, one, uh, presenter I saw is doing a lot of masterminding online using Zoom functions to uh, cut over to breakout rooms, assigning homework, recongening the gr group, and they have discussions, breaking the groups out. Really a more advanced application of Zoom, but I see a lot of people not doing that. They're just doing the click and, click and speak type thing. So we want to start exploring it more deeply. One thing we've done is we have a major event coming up that's still happening. We have a package going out to every recipient. It's a box. And the box has the elements that we've been delivering if I was on stage as they get handed out. So you open the main box and there's four boxes and it says, wait to open these until Mike tells on the event to open it. So now there's a tactile surprise or element you're getting, a little trashkey, uh, some uh, notepad and, and some work you need to do at the second stage and, and so forth. But there's this constant reveal of the tactile experience. I see very few speakers doing that. We, we got to start working at that level. All right. So I want to talk about some of the virtual stuff, but I want to close the loop here on the, the finances. So let's fast forward here. Let's say, you know, six months, a year, we're past this, we're back to business as normal and things are good. We're in the surge stage, which I know we're all looking forward to. Uh, so at that point, the reality is, is like something like this is going to happen again at some point in the future, whether it's a recession oh, yeah. or, you know, it's a, a, it's a disease or a natural disaster. Something's going to happen. You know, businesses go through cycles. The economy goes through cycles. So, if we come out of this, we're good. Uh, business is good again. What are the things that we need to put in place to make sure, okay, next time this happens, not if it happens, but next time it happens, I need to make sure I'm better prepared, that I'm sleeping well at night. So what are the, what are some of those things that, that speakers need to be thinking through on the other side of this? 
Yeah. So I'm a big proponent for the financial foundation of every business, the profitability. So, and I, I do teach us in profit first and you can even start today, but we need a runway of cash. The businesses that are doing well now have had time to contemplate. I've been doing profit first for 12 years. We have over a year of cash reserve to continue business operations as normal. And uh, the goal is not just to continue and say, well, hopefully in a year this is resolved. But what what we have the cash there for is specifically that when situations like this happen, that we can start modifying our business, but have time to contemplate. We don't have that panicked worry. We have concern. We are addressing and taking decisive action, but we have a runway of cash. And uh, I found now we've gone to the extreme because I've been doing it for so long. But I found for most businesses, three months of reserve, even if you're a one person operation, three months of cash reserve is a very healthy position to be in because you can contemplate, consider and take deliberate action. That's one thing. The second thing is client, you know, retention is critical, particularly proactive retention. It, you know, we, we do a speaking gig or something, and then you never talk to the event host again. It's like, hey, thanks for having me. We should have been, uh, and now when we get out of this, we should do is, is stay in touch with those event uh, coordinators. Remind them of our availability. Uh, empower them with with sharing other speakers that can speak at their events. Um, be their backup, saying if someone backs out of you uh, and can't do it, I'm one flight away and I can be there typically within 13 or 14 hours. Um, right. I'm here for you. Those relationships are absolutely critical. So those are two things I would manage proactively. And you can start even doing some of that right now. Just do it in an opportunity way, not an opportunistic way. So let's talk about the virtual thing for a second. So uh, you mentioned that you do a decent amount of keynotes. Now all of a sudden events just have magically disappeared. And so what are some of the conversations you're having with clients uh, to take some of the, we were supposed to be doing something, now we're not doing something and transition into salvaging, hopefully, and still providing a solution to the problem that they hired you for in the first place. Uh, how are some of those conversations going to create virtual gigs that weren't previously there? You know, the big question is about the outcome. I, I call it business as usual in unusual circumstances. And what I mean by that is what's the core objective or competency that I have? What's the core objective and competency that the event host coordinator venue has? What's the core thing? But now we're in unusual circumstances. So how do we repackage it? The number one question I'm asking event hosts is what is the objective of this event? Now we can't do it in person, but what's the core objective that remains? It's retention of our clients and members. It's catering to them or it's upselling new products. Then I say, is it worth seeing if we can deliver that objective in a new format? Um, a lot of people are responding, and this is just normal human nature. Shock comes through the system. They're freezing up and saying, I guess I'm done or can't do this anymore. They're not triggering that consideration of alternatives. I've been able to convert not all, but a portion of my speaking events that I was doing into this consideration and actually keep them. I've, I've won pretty big event coming up in a few weeks. We've gone all online and I can't say it's because of me, but I was a participant in helping the, change the thinking to achieving that objective. And also, you know, point, it's just like any other sales point to the pain say, all right, if you cancel the event, I get it. I get it. But what's the consequence to all those attendees? How's that going to that could that be a disservice to your business just to get the event host thinking that way? And it's not going to make a hundred percent conversion, but it, it will convert or save some opportunities. And even if it doesn't, it allows you to stay in the forefront that you're more concerned about the event success than you are just a speaking gig. And when the speaking gigs come back in the traditional sense, you're probably in the forefront of people's minds.
Yeah, I totally echo that on two things you said. One is that the relationship or the how you handle relationships right now have a huge, huge implication in terms of how people want, whether or not they want to do business with you yeah. years and years in the future, right? Uh, how you treat them now, the compassion, the, the the kindness that you show. You're still running a business, but the compassion and understanding that you show to them uh, will, will go a long, long way. And the other thing I like that you said there is that uh, the events that people were, speakers were hired for that, uh, my, my dog's echoing this, that uh, all of a sudden are no longer happening. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden the the problem that you were hired to solve has magically disappeared. It still exists. And like you said, speaking is one medium in which you can solve that. But what are the other mediums that you can still you can still continue to help and serve uh, those uh, uh, those audiences and clients? So, um, all right. One uh, one question that came in here uh, when he mentions uh, he's got a year of cash. Is that just OPEX? Uh, also an owner's comp taxes as well. Oh, so those are profit first. They are. They're throwing out some terms and lingo there. So what all yeah, is that? Oh, first of all, it's actually my vault. So we have a vault account. I talk, that's an advanced technique in profit first. So uh, OPEX is funded normal OPEX. Owner's comp and taxes are all funded normal way. We reserve one year of operating expenses in the vault um, at a secondary bank, reserved away, and uh, then we call on it. We've not called on it yet. Because I'll tell you, even though we have that money there, it's not like, okay, now we can just ride through this. The, the first consideration we said is, how is this an, uh, an opportunity? And, and basically the decision I had to make was, am I going to participate in this recession or not? And I'm deciding not to participate in the recession. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm not being blind to it. I'm simply saying, what do I do to grow my business during this period of time, as opposed to what do I do to protect? I decide to go on the offensive, not the defensive. And one of my indicators is that I'm starting to go on defense if I pull from the vault. So we haven't yet. Um, it's there as a safety measure. It makes me move more boldly because I know I have it. That's the power of it. But my intention is not to use it. Well said. All right, man. Uh, we appreciate the time. I know that you've got uh, another book coming out in a couple of weeks. It's that beautiful yellow one right back there. Thank Fix this nice. next. Tell us about the book. Where can we pre-order it? Uh, tell, give, give us the nutshell. Thanks. So Fix This Next is my new book, and I wrote it to address crisis. Now, my intention never was to address macro crisis, micro crisis. When competitors come up, when there's uh, a shift in your business in some regard, you lose an employee uh, or you gain one, like well, these different things that go on, how do you leverage that? And how do you make the right decisions in that moment? It's weird, but I, the book is perfectly timed for what's going on. Macro crisis causes tremendous amount of micro crisis. So making rapid business decisions are important. Right now, business owners don't know what their biggest challenge is. They, they assume every challenge is. So Fix This Next will help you pinpoint the specific challenge you need to focus on, the vital need, and bring immediate resolution to it. So um, I, I hope it's of great service to entrepreneurs. I think it's actually the most important book I've ever written, and the timing speaks to it. it is, I think it's really needed right now. Very good. Well, uh, and even Brandon Turner says, dudes, two of my favorite people. So uh, Brandon. Brandon, thanks for the shout out, man. Uh, hey, we, uh, Mike, we appreciate the time, man. Always good to see you. Always good to catch up. MikeMotorbike.com. I still use that and I think about that a lot. I give it an yeah. example to speakers all the time for URLs. All right. So go listen to the podcast interview we did with Mike. Uh, Mike, we appreciate it, man. Stay safe out there and we'll talk. I appreciate soon. you, brother. Take care. Thanks for spreading the good word and doing the work you're doing. You bet. You bet. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that quick conversation with Mike. Again, I'd encourage you to check out his stuff over at mikemotorbike.com. And again, like I referenced there, go listen to the podcast episode we did with him and uh, you will understand the reference to Mike Motorbike. Uh, that wraps up today's episode. Keep your head up, my friends. And if you need anything, let us know. You guys are awesome.